Good morning. Greet each one of you in Jesus' name. On June 4 in 2004, uh, in Granby, Colorado, a man named Marvin Hemeyer stepped, climbed into his uh, bulldozer, started it, and proceeded to drive through the front wall of his shop out into the open air. This was not just any uh, bulldozer. This was a, a modified one he'd been working on for the past year and a half. He had outfitted it with armor, solid steel plate, and, um, and concrete. Some places the armor was over a foot thick. He had cameras mounted on the outside and monitors on the inside so he could see where he was going. And he had a few holes around the outside for um, several guns that he had on the inside. He began after driving through the front wall of his shop by uh, going across the street to a concrete plant that was built in front of his shop, um, and he proceeded to start demolishing it. He um, had had a kind of a beef with the concrete factory for a while because they had built right in front of his muffler shop and block ac- blocked access from the road. And um, so he proceeded to demolish a good portion of it, including knocking out the natural gas line that, that uh, fed the concrete plant, and then he moved on. He, um, the, his next stop was the town hall in Granby, Colorado. Um, he proceeded to demolish a good portion of that. The town hall was obviously where the people were that had allowed uh, the concrete plant to be built and had denied his petition to block the construction of the concrete plant several years prior. Um, after demolishing a good portion of the town hall, he moved on to the former mayor's house. Uh, this person was no longer the mayor, but uh, this was the mayor when the concrete plant uh, was, was built and, and when he, he had uh, put in a petition to block the construction. He demolished the former mayor's house and then moved on to the newspaper company that had wrote against him. Um, after that, he um, was uh, working on the hardware store. He had a, had a I guess he got ripped off by the hardware store, and so he started demolishing the hardware store. Now, obviously, many people tried to stop him. The police were there. They had SWAT teams. They had uh, many, many people that were trying to stop him, but there was nothing they could do. He just pushed one building over after another. They tried, um, obviously, shooting at the, the bulldozer, but that didn't do anything. The bullets just bounced off his thick armor walls. They tried destroying the cameras, but the cameras he had covered in, in uh, up to four inches of bulletproof plastic. Um, he, uh, they tried dropping a grenade down the air intake of his bulldozer, but it didn't seem to do anything. Um, they, they tried getting one of those big road scrapers used in road construction, and uh, another big machine, and, and they tried going head-to-head, but he simply pushed it out of the way and kept going. Um, they actually, the governor of Colorado considered dropping a missile on the bulldozer, but they figured that would probably would have too much collateral damage. Eventually, after uh, going on for several hours of this, he eventually got stuck. He was pushing over a building, and one of his tracks fell into, I guess, kind of the basement of the building, and he was not able to back out. And so there he sat. Uh, pretty soon he was surrounded, and, and they heard one shot, and he had killed himself. Um, they uh, discovered some recordings that he had made and some letters that he had written to family members and stuff before this. And uh, one of the things he said, he said quite a few interesting things before doing this, but one of the things he said, he said, sometimes reasonable people have to do unreasonable things. 
So I want to ask you all the question: What would motivate someone to do this? What would motivate someone to do something like that? So we all have、um, a mentality that we face life with,、um, and that we face problems in our life with. We all, I'm sure, have problems in life. People that hurt us,、um, events that don't go our way, circumstances that are hard. But the question is, what mentality do we use to face, to look at those problems, to face pro- those problems in our life? It's not our choice when problems come, but it is our choice what mentality we choose to look at life with. So I'd like to talk about two different mentalities this morning. First mentality I'd like to look at is called the victim mentality. That's what I'm going to call it this morning. This is the mentality of Marvin Hemeyer. He had the victim mentality. The victim people with the victim mentality view themselves as victims. Victims look at life through the lens of their problems. That's that's what they look at. That's how they look at life. That everything is framed around their problems.、Um, victims see everything through a negative viewpoint. To the victim, their problems are huge. They're 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 mounting. They're every problem they face. They view as a major catastrophe. It's like this. I'd like to just write on the board. For a victim, their problems are huge. It's the biggest thing in life for them. And underneath their problems is is them. I'm just going to write me and and God. Now let's make a big circle here too. Uh, their problems are, are massive, and underneath this this massive problem in their life is them and God. Now, you might think it's odd that God is under there too, but He is. In fact, many people with the victim mentality talk a lot about God. They talk about how、uh, they're they're so glad that they have God to face this problem with. But ultimately, the problem is the big thing in their life. It's a small G God too. It's it's their, their God is small. It's it's their God is underneath this big problem along with them. Now I'd like to talk about a different mentality. I'm gonna call it the grateful mentality. The grateful mentality is kind of the opposite. People with the grateful mentality choose to be grateful. Their God is a big God, and I could just draw this, could illustrate this in the same way. And underneath、uh, their big God is them. In their life, now they might have the same problems as the person with the victim mentality, but it's the mentality is the difference. Same problems, but a different focus entirely. They're focused on the greatness of their God. Their God is the God that created the heavens and can calm the seas, and their God is too big to let anything in their life surprise them. Or to surprise him, their God is too big to let anything catch him by surprise, including their everything in their life, including their problems.、And、I'd like to compare these two mentalities a little bit over the next several minutes. I have a list of、uh, differences between these two mentalities. First one, the victim mentality says I am cheated and deprived of something. And、uh, just I'd like I'd like you to think about Adam and Eve. God had given Adam and Eve all these trees in the garden for them to to、uh, enjoy, but they、um, 
through the temptation of the serpent, uh, came to believe that they were deprived of one tree. They were cheated and deprived of something. And um, if you believe that your God has cheated on you, then you can cheat on your God. But the grateful mentality is different. It says, I am blessed and provided for. It focuses on the things that God has provided. It focuses on the big God that we have. Another difference. The person with the victim mentality says life happens to them. Or you could say it this way. Um, yeah, yeah, life happens to them for the victim mentality. And so they, they see everything is out of control. Their life is um, out of their control and they, have no, they can do nothing about it. Things just happen to them and they just don't know. They're just, um, you know, can barely keep their head above water. But the person with the, uh, with the grateful mentality says life happens for them. Life has a purpose, including the problems that we face. They're not saying everything is out of control. They're saying God does have everything in control. And they're looking for ways that they can grow and learn through their problems. Um, I have an, an example in, in, in a little bit different space. So just let me, uh, just hear me out. This right here, most of you might not be able to see this very well, but this is used to be a drill bit. Uh, obviously, it's kind of stubby now, and it's no longer a very good drill bit, but this is what it used to be. This is not just any ordinary drill bit. This is... Um, made out of solid carbide, which is one of the hardest materials on earth. This is a name brand. It actually still has the, the uh, part number on it, the model number right here. And um, this thing was made and engineered very, very well. It, uh, it, it even has two little tiny holes that run down through the drill bit so it can pump uh, coolant down through it. And as it's plunging through steel, it can uh, keep the end cool and push the chips out the flute. It's, it's a very well done. It's also about $250 for one. I was uh, up at work several weeks ago, and I was running a, a, a machine that I program. I tell exactly how or what to do, and I had this drill bit in there, and um, I had designed this program to drill a hole, obviously, and um, I thought I had it perfect. I looked over everything, and I hit the green button to go. It, it started spinning this drill bit at about 5,000 RPM, moved over to the part, and as soon as it hit the, the solid steel, it shattered just like that. And I said, what did I do wrong? I looked over everything. Finally figured out it was spinning backwards. I had an M3 instead of an M4. Um, now, there's different ways I could handle that. I could shut off the machine and say, forget it. I'm, I'm done with this job. I'm going to move on. I can't make this work. But I didn't. I, of course, you, know, you, you learn from your mistakes and you grow. And I think we all understand that in the workplace. If we didn't learn from our mistakes, if we, if we stopped the minute we made a mistake, none of us would probably have a job. But we don't translate that principle into our personal lives very well. Um, when a problem happens to us and in a, in a, maybe someone hurts us, somebody or um, circumstances don't go our way, we tend to just throw up our arms and say everything's out of control. We don't look for the ways we can learn and grow and learn how to be more like the God that we serve. Uh, another difference the person with the victim mentality says, it's not my fault. They blame. Just like Adam and Eve. They, Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent. They, they, the, everything's out of control and it's not their fault.
Victims blame their problems, needs, and sins on people, circumstances, and events. And victims have no control in life, so they're not responsible. They're justified in whatever action they do or whatever they say. But grateful people, the people, person with a grateful mentality, takes responsibility for their actions. They don't, they don't put the blame on someone else. People with the victim mentality learn to live on their problems to give, to get attention and control. It's somewhat of a control tactic. I'd like to illustrate this with another story. While I, while I was studying for this, I um, was, this was probably about a week ago, I was uh, coming, well, I was actually up at work and uh, about an hour away and um, trying to complete a job. I was flying out the next day for Pennsylvania, so I had to get a certain amount of stuff done. I, it was after 5 o'clock, so that meant I wasn't going to get home till probably 6.30. Um, it was running late, but I thought I had just gotten everything done. And right before I left, someone came to me and said, hey, this we changed the process of the way we're doing something, and there's a whole bunch of things that need updated before you leave. So I said, okay, um, we'll get it done. So I was there till a few more hours getting all this done. And, you know, it's very easy to start feeling a little bit sorry for yourself. And, man, this you know they should have told me this days ago and not right now. And by the time I got home, I think it was after 8 o'clock, probably 8.30. Um, and I remember pulling in our driveway and thinking, you know, the, the, the temptation to develop the victim mentality started creeping in. It's very easy to, to switch over into that mentality. Um, and I could have very easily came into the house and with this mentality and said, hey, can somebody warm up supper for me and been grumpy about circumstances of life and said, hey, can you claim a lunchbox and help me with this and and just start demanding stuff because, hey, I deserve it. I worked late. I This wasn't my fault. This was someone else's fault for not letting me know earlier. But as I was at least tempted with that mentality, I started thinking, you know, this is where the choice lies. What mentality am I going to choose? Because it makes all the difference. People with the victim mentality use their problems to get attention and control. Grateful people don't do that. Another difference. Understand my problem and you understand me. The, the victim mentality says, if you understand what the problems in my life, then you'll understand me. If you know a vic- uh, somebody with the victim mentality, you or if you learn to, as you learn to know someone with the victim mentality, you will always learn to learn about their problems. You will never um, get to know them at a deep level without hearing about them sometime. They, they usually come out sooner rather than later. They, they um, this is a core part of them, and, and you'll you'll hear about it a lot. Understand my problem, and then you'll understand me. The person with the grateful mentality says, "Understand my God." And then you'll understand me. I'd like to read a passage. You don't have to turn there. Just uh, if you would just listen. Uh, this is in Philippians four, and this is Paul writing to the Philippians, obviously, and he's in prison at this time. Now listen to this and just think: What mentality is he living with? Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every in every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And then a few verses later, he says, And my God, and this is talking to the Philippians, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
And Paul faced a lot of problems. He obviously he wrote about some of them, but it's a minor it's a minor thing. He doesn't talk about them much. He mostly talks about his God because he has a grateful mentality in the middle of all his problems. He talks about his amazing God, not focused on the problems he has in life. The another difference here, the victim fellowships around his problem. Um, people don't like victims for friends. Victims usually burn through relationships very repeat, very repeatedly and very quickly. Um, and really, the sometimes the people that, um, and, and we see this occasionally, people with the victim mentality will get together with other people with the victim mentality that, and and then they fellowship around the problem. They might have groups talking about, you know, I don't know, texting groups or something. They talk about their problem and their their problems are big and they're constantly discussed. They fellowship around their problem. The grateful person fellowships around his God. That's the thing that that um, that draws him together with other people. Um, and then just the last comparison I want to make. The person with the victim mentality, the victim mentality tends to spiral and spiral. It gets tighter and tighter. It gets, um, it, it's bondage. And the person with the grateful mentality, the grateful mentality brings freedom. The other thing I wanted to say, and this is very difficult, but in some sense, people with the victim mentality are beyond help. Not that we want to limit the grace of God, but when people are steeped in that mentality, no amount of counseling, no amount of good sermons, no amount of any of that will really help because they have a, this mentality. And in order for them to make progress, they have to choose to switch mentalities. Now, some of you might be thinking of a certain person, maybe somebody you work with, maybe a boss, or who knows, somebody that... Um, is in your life that you go, man, this person, I think, struggles with the victim mentality. But I'd like for a minute to just turn our focus inward and think about ourselves. Um, because I think we can be tempted with this too, in many ways and in, in, in many different times. Um, and there's many different problems that we face in life, and I want to just list some of them. And this is where, if you'd allow me, I'd just like to get real practical for a minute. Some of the different problems we, we face, it might be a person in your life. It might be um, maybe your father or your mother that was not acting, that, did, that hasn't been Christ-like and, and, and has maybe had um, many, many issues there. Maybe the relationship hasn't been good. Maybe you have children that um, don't behave. And, and, and this problem, it seems big and it seems like nobody understands what I go through and, and, and what I face on a daily basis. It might be a spouse or a, a tyrant boss or or someone that you work with that's um, that's that's hurt you in many ways. It might be friends that have betrayed you, past friendships, um, people that have given you the cold shoulder. It might be churches that have hurt you, people in a church. Sadly, that happens. It shouldn't, but it does. It might not be a person. It might be some past event. It might be. Something, you know, majorly you lost materially or financially. Um, it might be your background. Maybe you were mocked, abused, treated with contempt growing up or, or in some, um, prior setting. 
And you say, if, if, if people understood my background that I came from, then they'd understood, understand what I face on a daily basis. They'd understand why I'm tempted with the things I am and I, and I'm, um, have struggle with the things that I do. It might be circumstances in your life. It might be uh, chronic health conditions. It might be just that you're skinnier or bigger or shorter than most people. It might be that you're a preacher and the temptation might be to think that nobody understands what I face and what, what I have to deal with with um, all the responsibilities that I have. It might be that you're single when others are courting or getting married. It might be that you're really, really busy or financially tight. There's many, many different problems that we can face and that we probably all face. If you don't face any, that's, that's great. You can still choose to have a grateful mentality. But probably all of us at some point or another are going to face problems like these. And the question is, are we going to choose to have a victim mentality or are we going to choose to have a grateful mentality? And I guess this is the, the burden of my talk this morning, the message I want to get across. Otto Koenig, in one of his messages, he talks about problems, these very same things, and he has a line that I like. He says, don't waste your problems. Don't waste your problems. Choose the grateful mentality. Don't just throw your problems away. Don't just um, let your problems wrap you up in a victim mentality. Don't waste your problems. Those problems can be used for things, for good things, to grow closer to Christ. God has allowed those problems in your life for some reason. <clears throat> Choose the grateful mentality. I think we can make a big difference in the world if we all choose a, chose a grateful mentality every day. I have a few more minutes. I'd like to tell a story. I'm reading a book right now about the biography of Adoniram Judson. I'm almost finished with the book. It's a big book, but... Um, I've just been in, impressed with his story. For those of you who don't know, he was born during the early 1800s. He's considered, uh, in some ways, the first American foreign missionary. Um, he was about my age. I think he was 22 or 23 when he um, got married and uh, several weeks later left on a ship for Burma. Um, his family pretty much was never going to see him again. Um, it'd be like, just to bring it close home, it'd be like if Benjamin and Susanna, they'd just been married a few weeks, if they just headed out on a ship, we'd never see them again. Um, and they faced so many problems in their, in their journey. They, they were on a boat for months just to get there on their way. I mean, imagine being seasick for months at a time. Um, then they got, they didn't arrive to Burma. The boat was going to Calcutta, India, which was fairly close. But when they got there, the government said, hey, jump on the next ship and go back home. We don't want you here. And so they immediately were looking for a ship to go anywhere but home because they didn't want to just turn right around. So they ended up going to a different island. Um, on their way there, one other couple that they were traveling with, she gave birth and then her baby died and then she died. Um, and Adoniram's own wife um, miscarried a, a child on their way and they eventually made it to Burma. I think it was over a year after they had originally departed America. And then after that, it was just one thing after another. They were the only... They were, they were by themselves, they got there, and on their way there, he had also been studying his Bible and realized that infant baptism was not biblical. 
And so they'd gotten baptized on one of the islands they were at by some Baptist missionaries, and so now they were Baptists. And so that meant that the Congregationalists, which that had originally was going to support them, would no longer support them. Um, and so now they had, no, they had no idea if anybody back home was even going to support them. They had no idea if anybody even knew where they were. And they arrived in Burma by themselves, a young, young married couple, and had no, couldn't speak the language, and it was a hostile culture. There was, there was, it wasn't open persecution at first, but it was definitely difficult. And nobody wanted to listen to their message. They had another child a few years later, and he passed away fairly young. I think he was under a year old. Um, it was just one thing after another. Um, they eventually got word from home that they were going to support them. There was ups and downs on the journey. It was so many twists and turns, so many details. But, um, and, and time continued. He ended up spending several years in prison in some of the worst conditions imaginable. Um, his wife ended up passing away after about 11 years. He remarried um, to another missionary lady that her husband had passed away on the mission field. Um, and she died a few years later. He had several other children die. There was so many setbacks and twists and turns, and, and I don't know, I just I guess we feel like our lives have lots of problems. I think it pales in comparison to some of these other people. But through that all, and, and there was definitely temptation. There was periods in his life where I think he started developing the victim mentality a little bit. Uh, he got uh, discouraged and depressed. But then he got back up and he kept going. And when he died, there was a Burmese Bible and a Burmese church. God can use us if we choose the grateful mentality, and he wants to use us. So that's, that's what I had to share this morning. I guess I just want to encourage all of you, choose the grateful mentality. Thank you.